Okay, stop the tape, please. Hello and welcome to We Are Weezer Perfect Situations number 12, the Black Album release party time. And I'm here today with Chris and Chris from the Weez Talking Weez to the podcast. Hi, guys. Hey, Rachel. How's it going? Thanks for having us, Rachel. I'm good. And thank you for coming on. I'm really excited. Black Album, everyone's freaking out. So... We'll get to that. Let me just tell everybody who we are. We are Weezer is a podcast about Weezer. My name is Rachel. I have a co-host. And lately I've been having a lot of special guest hosts. We pick a Weezer song. We dig around, find the details on it. We rate it with our special rating system and kind of give you as much information as we can in one nice little show. So Chris and Chris, we... Are you guys are a Weezer podcast? We're a Weezer podcast. Tell us about what makes you guys special. Well, Chrissy, why don't you start us off? <laughs> what makes us special? Nothing in particular. Absolutely. No, not. I think, <laughs> no, I think what makes you. <laughs> I think what makes our show unique in the grand scheme of at least Weezer podcasts or perhaps music podcasts is we take a light approach to it. We like having fun and doing bits and making each other laugh as we do podcasts, but we're both actual musicians and songwriters and and have been making music for a long time. So to kind of come at the songs with a musician's angle has been, I think, the refreshing thing for our listeners. And it's been a lot of fun for us to engage with as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely enjoy that part. Oh, cool. for sure. Thank you. I love listening to Chris break down songs track by track and helping me get a, a better feel of the, the chord progression and everything, whether we've seen it before in Weezer's catalog or whether we've seen it before in other people's catalog and where kind of the, the genesis of all the songs and where they came from and how they came to fruition. And that comes both from our analysis and doing a little digging deep into Rivers or whoever wrote the song's thought process. And so it's just, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun for us and a lot of fun for hopefully everybody listening along to figure out where these songs came from and why we like them and if they're worth listening to. Yeah. I don't, I definitely don't know like the technical stuff. I can usually pick out a sound or a genre or, you know, based on, Beach Boys references or whatever, you know, same thing, like whatever we can decipher from Weezer's past. But I definitely like to hear about the different chord progressions. I don't know anything about that stuff and see how they're getting a little bit more technical in writing and and musically. I think it's changing a lot. I think this album is like total, totally, completely, 100% different than where they started. So it's interesting. It really is. I'm I'm pretty excited to talk about this album. Should we get going? Yeah, we might as well. I'm ready to rock okay. and roll. <laughs> Yes. 
Well, let's start with track number one. It's actually the first one that we heard, right? Or was California Snow? California first? Snow was California before Snow, this. Technically, yeah, what yeah, okay. came out from the the movie soundtrack Spell. So mm-hmm. that that predated Can't Knock the Hustle. I don't know when was. Do when you did Can't know Knock the Hustle? if uh, the California Snow on here is the same from the movie? Yes. Yeah, so the the single track that they released for the uh, motion picture soundtrack is the same identical recording as what's on black. Interesting. So technically, that was the first. It would not have been an official single. But that was originally released on September 20th. So that would have been the first. But technicalities. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we can come back to that because I, I totally could have like just jumped into that one. Can't knock the hustle. What do you guys think? Who wants to go first? <laughs> I think this is a worthy experiment that they did. I know this is the first track that the producer Dave Sitek worked on. And it's the one that kind of convinced Rivers, oh, okay. He's going to play and he's going to do some cool things with our music that I've never heard before. And it's also what convinced Dave Sitek when the band responded favorably that he said, cool, these these guys are open to trying things. This can work. And Rivers talked about it being a mixture of the Beastie Boys, Beck and Weezer. And you can kind of hear that in the production. Um, Mm -hmm. It is not a song I particularly like to listen to, though it's a song I kind of admire for what it is and as an experiment. Um, But I, I find the Asa Luego hook and everything a little bit off-putting. And I find it to be somewhat of a cultural appropriation of a kind of an Afro-Cuban sounding song, but done in the modern style, which usually turns me off a little bit from music. Like the guitar solo, for instance, is something straight out of the Buena Vista Social Club, but on a fen- on a uh, Gibson SG nice, and run nice through cut, like... by the way. What's that? <laughs> uh, the Buena Vista Social Club, because mm. I doubt there's a lot of people that know what the heck that is on this <laughs> podcast, but uh, I do, so... Oh, awesome. Uh, usually I'll be like, oh, good reference if someone, you know, I don't know. I was talking to Brian Ewing and he like talked about some really old show. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's, no, no, you. quite all right. No, no, it's it's good. And it's and it's one that's grown on me. And when it comes on, I go, yeah, all right. All right. This is, this is not music I hate, but it's not music I love. And the question really with this and some of the other songs, I think, on the record is, is this a song I need to hear Weezer doing? <laughs> you know, and, and I oh, think that's definitely. the debate internally and externally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Other Chris? Yeah. Again, Chris usually takes the words right out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> we have very similar taste in that. Definitely not a song that I'm super, super amped on or particularly happy that it's a single. Uh, again, very experimental. I'm glad they at least tried something out of their element. But this is not the only song where I think the hook could be rearranged to make it a better song on this album for sure. So not a huge fan of the hook. The feel is okay, but why Weezer's doing it, I'm not totally sure. I have to agree with Chris on that. But I, again, it's not a song that I hate. There are other songs on this record that I would, I can't say I hate, hate, hate any of them, but there are definitely some songs on this record that I am not a huge fan of that are much lesser than this one. Well, I think that that kind of, to go, to take a step back and talk about the album as a whole, that this sucker is like not like a Weezer, a true Weezer album. So you have to, and it's not even like Pacific Daydream, not Weezer. It's like a totally different not Weezer in that it's almost like a dancey club club album or something. Where yeah, I'm actually, I I'm find myself like wanting to like do like a, like shaken while I'm like doing the dishes 
to the the songs and that's not usually what you know, you know Weezer makes me feel necessarily. <laughs> You're supposed to want to rock out. Yeah, that's um, a good point. there's not a lot of guitars. There's a lot of like beats and production. So I think when we talk about the songs, that's just going to be like probably a, a like throughout an issue with the album. Like, right? What do you want from Weezer? Like, are you cool with? no guitar or whatever. It's true. And it's actually a pretty good point that you brought that up because in a 2017 interview that we uh, Rivers did with Vulture, he said that, quote, if Pacific Daydream was one step away from Weezer's history, then Black Album is 10 of those. So yeah. even Rivers knows exactly how far he's going with a lot of these tracks. So And so do you, are you guys, do you guys care or do you hate it? Yes and no. I mean, I definitely care uh, just because this is a band that we got into because we like the way right. they sound. But especially after doing this podcast and like digging so hard and spending, you know, four and five hours talking about each record, they really do morph all the time. And so I'm kind of getting used to every album that I listen to. I basically put myself in a new mindset now. Like what now that I know the thought process that the band was in at the time and I know the you know, the producer that they were working with, now that I'm more familiar with all those things, I definitely have a different mindset when I'm listening to any little bit of Weezer's discography, for sure. So I'm I'm intrigued in the direction that they're going. If they keep going this way, I don't know if I will be the biggest fan of it, to be quite honest, because Chris and I are both huge fans of Pacific Daydream. Yeah. And I'm curious right now, because I haven't talked to Chris at all in the past three days in terms of his thoughts on this. So this is big for the two of us as, mm-hmm. as Weezer co-hosts. <laughs> I have no idea what his thoughts are on this, so I'm excited to, to delve deep and figure out what everybody else is thinking about all these songs. Right. I think the difference between this and Pacific Daydream, though they will definitely be viewed as sister albums, much in the way I think that Ratitude and Hurley were viewed because they were released yeah, really exactly. kind of close together and shared some commonalities, is that I think this one is that bigger step away. Pacific Daydream always had those bridges that kind of anchored us to Weezer's past. Remember, we loved that album because of its bridges as much as anything. Those parts of the songs is where, oh, that sounds like Wilson, and oh, man, sing it, Rivers, and, you know, you just really got that old excitement, some some intensity that we described as Pinkerton level of intensity on some of those songs. People want to talk about how it's overproduced and slick and, and whatever, but there was some really hot moments there. And those... Well, and I say what's wrong with that, you know? yeah. Oh, no. I Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. And this one is even more produced and more slick. Though arguably the in the hands of Dave Sittek, the producer here, versus Butch Walker on Pacific Daydream, I think it works a little bit better. I do think that he has a better command of this particular style of music. And the playfulness, the sonic playfulness, and the textures, that's a word I kept coming back to listening to this record this week, is playful. It's just a playful record. And I think if we accept it as that, it's okay to have one that's like this. It's much like River said to Brian Bell at the time of Ratitude, like, hey, just just give me this one. We'll we'll make a lot of other records and they'll sound like us. Just just give me one of these. And Brian Bell said, Yeah, that's cool. You know, and I feel like this is kind of another one of those, which I have to respect. You know, grand scheme of their work, it's okay to have one or two of these, you know, especially when there is a quality to the songwriting that is definitely there. It's always gonna be good songwriting. Right. Because they're good songwriters, you know? It, and it's like, you like the songs. It's kind of, uh, I can see like from old school fans' point of view, how you would just be like, either you're, at this point, you're done, or you're taking a break and waiting for 
another white or something. Right. Uh, everything will be all right in the end. One of those. Um, and I also think like the kids are going to like this one. Like yeah. no offense, uh, younger Chris. Um, <laughs> and especially with all the hype that they're having right now, this is like the perfect album to come out and kind of get those new fans on board and have them check out the other CDs and, and albums too. And I also think that there's a lot of songs on here that like this song, the, this album to me like goes up and down where it's like, can't knock the hustle and then high as a kite. So you're like brought right back down to like Weezer town. If you were in disco land or whatever, some, who said that? Somebody said that Rolling Stone or one of those magazines said like takes you to disco, disco <laughs> town or disco land. And so they if forgot you go again there, that disco sucks. How could they forget that disco <laughs> sucks again? Come on. <laughs> well, and we definitely go there, but we do. Um, we yeah. do. <laughs> so, especially, I mean, I think Can't Knock the Hustle is kind of easing us into disco land, like getting us like, okay, this is different. And in the beginning, the the bomb, 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 that right. sounds to me exactly like the beginning of a gorilla's track, like from Demon Days or something. <sighs> I'm trying to think of the song, but it just, that beginning, it, I don't know. That's why I always ask if they're going to collaborate with gorillas because there's a mm. lot of that on here too. Yeah. Or if maybe Davis Tech worked with them or, but I don't really see, maybe Beck I can understand like with the Mexican feel on Can't Knock the Hustle. Yeah, but for I don't sure. Horns and electronic drums. Yeah. And of course they're peers and Southern California peers and came out in the same year. And, you know, so you can kind of see that being a reference point. Sure. I do like the idea of the of the song, like Can't yeah. Knock the Hustle. Like, I think it's a cool vibe and like, kind of like do your thing. And right. I like that message. Yeah, it's really know. like the most modern song they've ever made, just in, in what it's about. You know, leave me a five-star review and I'll leave you one too. Like, all mm -hmm. that stuff is just so of this time, you know, that I wonder if it'll even make sense in 10 years or, or you know what I mean? It's just so grounded in this time, the late 2010s. Super, super modern. Very dated. Well, it's like that episode of Black Mirror, Nosedive, where everybody <laughs> has to vote on everybody else. I wonder if he was inspired by that show. I have never seen Black Mirror. What's it about? Tell us. Oh, it's just a sci-fi anthology series on Netflix. It's fantastic. It was on the BBC, and now Netflix purchased it. And it's mm -hmm. so every, every episode's a different... It's just all futuristic how technology is destroying us and taking over. It's so, oh, so cool. fantastic. And it's British, because like, that's my favorite kind of weird sci-fi. Yeah, definitely. The first two or three seasons were, were on BBC and then Netflix bought it, but it's still usually primarily um, filmed in the UK with British actors and directors. It's good stuff. Mm. Okay. So do you, th you think that it has influence on Can't Knock the Hustle? Well, the whole five-star review, there's an episode called Nosedive in which literally everybody has their own, uh, like everyone's app is connected to everyone else. So it's like it, if you and I had an interaction at like, you know, just meeting each other and I helped you open the door for you, you would give me a five-star review oh, for that geez. interaction. So you don't only, you have like a zero to five-star rating for your life and that impacts your entire social life. So wow. it's like pretty scary to think about. Yeah. So that's, that's what I thought about when I heard that lyric anyway. Well, and I guess that you can give uh, passenger stars on Uber, which I didn't know. Um, True, which yeah, relates yeah. to the music video there. I really don't want to even know what my stars are then because I'm usually I've had some drinks if I'm taking an Uber home. So, <laughs> Chris, you've driven some Uber. Do you have any insight? Oh, man. I never had anything too crazy. Um, 
I did have one person throw up in the back of my car when I was an Uber driver. That was always Ooh, unpleasant. Not cool. It was just once. It was only one time. That's why I that kept is, bags. That's a one star review at best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a zero star. That's a that's zero. A do not, Can you give a zero? <laughs> do not pick up. <laughs> yeah. One um, pity star. Last note is that it's a it's a three minutes and forty one seconds, which is you know, I'm surprised that there's so many fours on here. Oh, um, we should also yeah, mention though that this is the first of many fucks on the record, right? Mm. Oh, right. Well, he. I mean, this song features the first of many fucks. What does he say? When does he say fuck? Oh, does uh, it? Something doesn't I'm he? a cool motherfucker, but you, but I work hella hard. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an ugly motherfucker. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, and he he was clearly going to town. He was going to fuck town, I think. Actually, if anything, it's all good. He can take me there. Um, sorry, uh, but I do like that. I do like. Sorry, um, I do. Does this show have an explicit rating? I'm sorry. Explicit. Does this sh- does We Are Weezer have a explicit rating? We do because I don't okay, really cool. want to worry about it. So I, I, I just right. mark them all explicit. We don't cuss on purpose. But uh, I want to talk like a normal person, so you can too. (laughs) I'm into it. And I do like that lyric, actually, of Can't Knock a Hustle. I was like, you know, I think that you, if you do work super hard, then you deserve everything that you get. And that's what Rivers and and I think Weezer does. So I think that that's why they've lasted this long. No kidding. Um, They definitely know how to hustle. Yeah. This... Uh, I think this album is like a great example of that, like in Africa and just rolling with the punches and everything they do. Zombie bastards, thoughts? Yeah. Oh yeah, let's uh, let's get into some zombie bastards. Yeah. What do you think, younger? <laughs> <laughs> I actually quite like this song. In the grand scheme of this album, it's definitely in the in the upper echelons. I like the feel. I think they're going from Afro-Cuban to kind of this reggae, chill vibe. I like the feel of the song. Lyrics, take it or leave it. I don't know if Zombie Bastards is a metaphor for something or other, but... Uh, or just yeah, zombies on a video game. And if so, what the fuck? Like, why, why would Rivers... It just seems a little bit below him. No offense. So it's literally a video game reference? I mean, I would, that's, that was my initial thought was that like it's playing a zombie video game and he's trying to get them all, you know? Yeah, that's pretty dumb then. <laughs> <laughs> but I but love I do, I do, the music. I do enjoy the. And um, I wish they would do more like that. And I wish that the song could, I think it would have been better with different lyrics if they were going to do this melody or. Kind of, you know, because it's the only one on this album that that takes me to like, you know, a, a reggae vibe. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely into the vibe, into the chord changes, into the feel. And I said this about Africa too. Is I think Africa's a good song if they just changed every word in it. <laughs> so I feel the same way about this. If you were to like rewrite the lyrics and verses, I definitely like the way the, the song makes me feel, and I like the vibe on it for sure. It is chill and it's acoustic and it's kind of stripped down. Whereas everything else on here is like very produced, it seems a little bit less produced and kind of just like unplugged ish. Yeah. Yeah, it does have an organic feel for sure, which is welcome on this record. 
Um, even though it is a very modern production, it's not it's not superfluously modern. It's just appropriately modern. I will say in defense of the lyrics, this is a song I could take or leave. I probably don't like it as much as you two, just because I don't love the faux reggae-ness of it. Um, it's That's not a sound that I'm drawn to, at least specifically from Weezer. I like real reggae, <laughs> but I don't necessarily like this as much. But I will say I've been driving around California. I'm on vacation right now, and I've been in the car with my girlfriend who really doesn't care about Weezer, like actively. Oh. And by the end of the song, she was singing along with it, the first listen. You know, she so was catchy. really into it. I think it's one of the more catchier songs. Very catchy. And I would say that's true of most of this record, that like by like the second hook, she was kind of like completely on board and singing along even more than I was. It was kind of amazing. But she like has her feet more firmly planted in pop music than I do. And so it totally appealed to her. And this, as a record, like we, I had just been listening to Maladroit a bit because that's the next episode Chris and I are recording. And she was like, ugh, what's going on here? Turn this <laughs> off, you know, <laughs> which is hilarious. Like, Come hey, on. Yeah. But then we put this on and, and she was like, oh, now this I like. So, <laughs> you know, it has a market, I guess is my point. Totally even if different. I am not the target market. It's so catchy. I think even if you don't want to like it, like I don't think I wanted to like it just because of the lyrics and the content. I still like it because it's catchy. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll like it. You know, I think a lot of songs on here kind of do that to me where you're like, but it's not laser, but I still really like it and I can't stop moving. I don't know. No. Anything else to say about it? We should say that it was co-produced and written by Rami Yukub or Yakub, who I don't know, but he's a Palestinian-Swedish producer who's mm. worked with a bunch of people. Britney Spears, Nicki Minaj, Backstreet Boys, and Sync, Bon Jovi, like a lot of pop work. Madonna, this Demi was... Lovato, One Direction. is ridiculous. This guy's track listing is unreal. Right, right. At Weezer. Interesting. <laughs> Has he worked with Weezer before, I wonder? Not that no, he... I don't believe no. so. Okay, yeah, because I don't recognize his name. For sure. There are a lot of friends on here, too. Um, yeah, I was sure. gonna say. Speaking of, that's Which the perfect cool. transition because the next song, "High as a Kite," was co-written by Josh Alexander, who we do know. <gasps> yes. uh, Josh Alexander, San Francisco native, songwriter, producer, uh, has worked with the likes of JoJo, CeeLo Green, Demi Lovato, and he previously worked with Weezer on "Pacific Daydream," co-writing "Sweet Mary," "Get Right," and "La Mancha Screwjob." Yeah, also "Da Vinci" and "Lonely Girl" from "Everything Will Be Alright in the End." So, a nice long track record with Rivers. Mm-hmm. I love this song so much. Is this everybody's favorite song on the on the album or this piece yes. of cake. Wow, okay. we're coming right out and saying it already. This is the, this is your guys' favorite on the record, huh? Yes. So far, I mean, as of today, yes. Cool. And the, cool. I don't know. I'm thinking that piece of cake is up there. I still need a little more time, though. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Yeah, I think they're kind of sister songs in a way, in just their tone and their sound and being piano based and the nature of the melodies. I could totally see that. I do. I like this one more than that because I don't love the hook of. Obviously, we'll talk about that song more. Um, but I do find this to be almost a unanimous success. Just every aspect of this song is right on, and, and, and it's right Weezer, in the sweet spot. Right? It, it is Weezer, so. but it's it's still a, like a logical evolution from Weezer in yes. that it's not fuzzy. It's clean. The rhythm it section doesn't sound interplay. weird on here. 
no, it fits right in with these pop songs, quote unquote, but it still has its feet firmly planted in Weezer, at least melodically, you know, mm -hmm. and lyrically it's about escapism. You know, there's just, there's a lot that kind of anchors it to the band's history, which I love. And just the way it kind of takes you on a, on a daydream. Oh yeah. And gets a little bit dark, you know, when they. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That bridge dark as can be it's pretty great and unexpected mm -hmm, so yeah. i think it's our first surprise on here where you're like oh hold on a minute like now it's getting a little bit darker than than you like you don't think that's coming or i didn't think that was coming no not at all and i heard that i'm not sure if it's true or where i heard it but that the entire album was written on piano so it makes sense that there's yeah. piano throughout-ish. Yeah, I actually did a breakdown, not to, not to self-promote, but I did break down all the music to this song on our YouTube channel. I did it on guitar, but what I found in doing that was, at least, it, especially the bridges, but the verses as well, it is such a piano song. Like, I've written a lot on piano, I write a lot on guitar. These are chords that you would only write on piano. So... Uh, you could definitely hear it. And obviously it's performed on piano here. So that's the tip off. But just even the 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 harmony, the underlying harmony throughout mm -hmm. is just such piano kind of chords, the extensions used in the way that chords are subtly shifting from one another. You don't get that on guitar unless you really look for it. It's not as innately in the guitar fingerings, for instance. Man, that's so cool yes. to hear you say that, Chris. So smart. So smart, Chris. <laughs> Come on. Now. I, I love, like, that's my favorite part. And I think I'm on... What have I listened to so far for you guys? I've gotten through Pacific Daydream, White, and I think I'm in the middle of one. But that's my favorite part about your show is the cool, like actual talking about technical music stuff and comparisons to other things. I just, I love that. So can we compare High as a Kite to, I don't think we can. I don't think it really takes me to any other Weezer songs per se. No. Nothing that because I can think of Because of the lack of, of my head. like, heavy guitar. Yeah, it's just a whole new sound. I really think that is. But it's a logical new sound, and I think that's why it works so well. for. And you could tell in the fan community, I don't know if you've been on message boards or hearing feedback, this is clearly, like, everyone's favorite song that they've done in a while. Maybe Weekend Woman off Pacific Daydream is another kind of unanimous pick, but this one is right up there. I was going to say that if I did compare it to something, it would probably be something off of Pacific Daydream, but one of the like sweeter, like sweeter yeah. songs off of yeah, like Sweet Pacific. Mary off there has similarly mm -hmm. complex chord structures, and it's mm -hmm. and it's a very '60s sounding throwback. I mean, this song, I believe, it was derived from an old Rivers demo around the "Everything Will Be All Right in the End" era, but it always reminded me when I heard that of "Whiter Shade of Pale" by Procol Harum, this kind of '60s song based around kind of piano and organ and a descending chord progression. Mm -hmm. And this one has a very similar kind of movement. Through I was it. gonna say "Free as a Bird" uh, by the Beatles. Oh, that's so funny! I actually referenced that song on our most recent podcast. Oh. <laughs> Not about this song, actually, about uh, "Haunt You Every Day," but for what it's oh, worth. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to listen and see what yeah, you yeah, talk yeah. about. But yeah, no, it really doesn't seem to have much precedent in the Weezer catalog. Chris, yeah. what what is it about this song that keeps it from being one of your absolute favorites? Yeah. Oh, I hate to say it, but I'm not particularly in love with the hook. Oh, um, okay. Lyrically. Um, otherwise, I do really like it. It's definitely top half of the album. Mm -hmm. No doubt about that. 
Um, and to be honest, I hadn't put enough thought to figure out. I, I haven't had enough emotional connections to any of these songs to say, boom, definitely number one with a bullet. Right. So right. I think it's kind of like a, a mix right now. So it might end up by the time we record our, our analysis of this album, I'm sure I'll flesh it out and figure if it, uh, if the cream rises to the top, so to say. Um, and who knows if by then, you know, uh, Zombie Bastards may be my favorite song ever by anyone. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, things can change. That would be, we would, I probably, we probably wouldn't record podcast together I wouldn't one. know you anymore. You would be banned. That's right. For my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a low blow. All right. Well, let's move, let's move it on down to living in La La or LA. I don't know. That's the one. Living in Lala. Living in Lala. Is, Just like Ryan Gosling. Is he saying living in Lala? Or uh, I don't know. No, I think he's saying living in LA. He's like living, living in Lala. In LA. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice, guys. You guys were like harmonizing. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty vapid chorus, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm not into it's a little, it. No. A little brutal. So I have to say I like the album version a lot better than when they play it live. Oh, yeah, you saw they, the Fallon performance? I saw the Fallon performance with my girlfriend, Tita, and we were both just like, yeesh, this is rough. Yeah, I didn't watch it yet. My girlfriend was literally like, ah, turn this off. Ugh, don't, don't abuse me like that. And then we listened to the record. She didn't recognize the song, and she loved it. So There you <laughs> that, go. That shows how different it is. Yeah. Interesting. Now I got to go watch that immediately. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take a break. We'll... <laughs> yeah. Be right I'm back. wondering. Um, we've got Johnny Coffer with us on this yeah. one. And exactly, Jerome yeah. And Jerome Williams. Who's Jerome Williams? Let's see here. Jerome Williams, I couldn't find too much Me information neither. about. He's either uh, a baseball seems... player, a basketball player, or a songwriter. I found more about him as an athlete. There's a lot of Jerome <laughs> Williams, is my point. It was actually tough to look up. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, they call him additional production, so uh, he must maybe he works okay. with Johnny. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we do we do know Johnny Coffer, of course, from Feels Like Summer, Get Right, and Jacked Up. Yeah. Two of which I love very much. Right. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, I like all three of those, and I don't, I don't, and I don't hate the song. This is one of those other ones, like Zombie Bastards, where. I could get like f- give or take the lyrics, but it makes me want to dance. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. nah, 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 you know, like, but that's about it. Like I don't get any deeper than wanting to like dance to it and having it be catchy, which right. is unfortunate. And and you're living in LA, am I right? Yeah. So I should love it. But I do like the I actually I take that back. Some of the lyrics did resonate with me where it was like kind of like your like a zombie reference where we're all just going through the motions and you're alone type of thing. Yeah, it's weird. Like, yeah, this song for me is like a good version of something I don't like. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing uh-huh. about this song that's not successful. It's a super successful piece of pop songwriting, but I don't like it. And I certainly don't want Weezer to be doing it. You know, so that's that's kind of where I fall on this one. Um, Maybe that's what I don't like about it is that it's like just too weird having them do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird when they play it live. It does sound more like Weezer, but it's like this isn't a song that this doesn't work as a Weezer song, if you know what I mean. It, yeah. But does Can't Knock the Hustle work as a Weezer song? Like I put those, these two songs on the same pedestal. 
Yeah, because it's funny. I've seen them perform that with a track with more of the produced elements. That's what they did on like the New Year's Rock and Eve. But I've also seen them do it just live, like more organic. And like it did actually work live more organic. It actually worked quite well. So some do, you know, some do transition well to the stage without being kind of locked into the studio version. This one, it really does feel like a different song, you know? And I'm not saying I like that song better. In fact, listening to the studio version after seeing the live, I was like, no, okay, if it's going to be something, it should be this. But I just don't know if it needs to be something. Yeah, I'm wondering if if I heard it without all the production and they made it more rocky, maybe it would be better because then at least it would be Weezer. True. Yeah, I think I think that's what they were looking for on that Fallon performance because it was just the just the electric guitars and and yeah. the instrumentation uh, that they play from the old days. And it's they're uh, maybe they're just having an off night because their voices were off. They weren't harmonizing well. They weren't like really in the pocket. So it might have just been I might be tainted because of that performance. Right. They'll probably play it on tour. So I get I have a feeling we're going to get to see it when we go see them next week. So I'm very curious to see how it sounds when they play it. Right. You guys are going right. next week? Yeah, we're seeing them in Albany, New York. That's right. Awesome. This Thursday. It was too tough to get a ticket to Foxwoods Casino in eastern Connecticut, so we're going to Albany. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you guys uh, based out of? Well, I live in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, which is on the north end of Rhode Island, the tiniest little state, and Chris lives on the exact opposite end of the state, so it takes me a grand total of 45 minutes to get to <laughs> Wow. That's amazing yep. that you can travel the state in 45 minutes. Yeah, it's yep. kind of crazy to put that into perspective for you. Okay. Well, it sounds very tiny and, and quaint. And it is. Yes. We love our little state. Small town. So total polar opposite of LA, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying that to my girlfriend because we were just in LA. It was like, this would be like three Rhode Islands. Like, it felt like everything was 40 minutes away. <laughs> like, no matter where I was going, it felt like, oh, I'm driving 40 minutes again. What's going on? Everything uh, and, is 40 minutes away. Yeah. And that's Rhode Island, like, but like Massachusetts is 40 minutes away. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like everything's so close. Everything's within 40 minutes of Rhode All Island. All the states that's the that are surrounding are like... Boop, oh, yeah. Boop, boop. Like yeah. we're going to upstate New York. It only takes us three hours. Like New York City's 245. Like it's just very close to a lot of things, you know, which is... That's which nice. is One of the perks of living there. Absolutely. Boston's an hour. Well, Boston's like 40 minutes from where Chris oh, lives. Oh, yeah. I mean, we go, to, we go to, you know, Celtics games in Boston all the time. So Yeah, right. It's right. like, it's funny because I visit my folks in uh, D.C. And so I just drive down from Providence to D.C. and I pass through seven states. And that's, <laughs> n- <laughs> which is crazy to think about because that's a seven hour drive. Right. You're averaging a state an hour. Wow. It's like driving to San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool though. Yeah. yeah. East Coast life, baby. And cold. <laughs> yes. <Sandy. laughs> yes. It's cool and cold. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to. I don't know, Chris. Did you hear? We're supposed to. This is totally unrelated. And you can cut this from the show, but we're supposed to get like eight to 12 inches of snow tonight. Yeah, that's why I'm not taking the red eye home tonight. I'm coming home tomorrow instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it got me an extra day in, uh, in California, though, so that's nice. Ah, lucky bastard. Wow, first we talked about geography. Now we're talking weather. Like, she'll never it's, have us back, Chris. This is terrible. This is, no, we it's, are a cur- horrible, it's a thing that we talk guests. about on the show I, and, you know, where things are. And it's just life. Uh, so Maybe I'm going to guess that uh, the travel is not going to be a piece of cake for either oh, one of you. Oh, smooth operator. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I try. Uh, 
this is probably the second favorite for me, I'm going to say. Mm. I don't know. I just really liked it. The lyrics and the uh, the melody. Yeah, okay. for sure. And this is another solo Cuomo, as we like to call call the uh, songs written by Rivers himself. And I think that's I think that's a part of the reason we love these songs, Heisekai and Piece of Cake. I'm right with you. I'm just short of loving it just because of the hook. Like she cut me like a piece of cake. Like that's that's kind of stupid. Give me a break. I love the music there. I love the movement. I love the singing, but I just can't get behind that as a song that I could love. Yep. 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 Chris is shaking his head. Oh, yeah, first yeah. no, and then yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very much not a fan of the hook. Man, this yeah. this album is lacking hooks to me. Hasta luego, adios. Die, zombie bastards. I'm high as a kite. She cut me like a piece of cake. It's just over and over. I'm not <laughs> digging the hooks at all. I hate to say it. I hate to be a Debbie Downer. I'm always this way, but I do not like this song either. Mm. Oh, Which is surprising, too, because when I was reading it, before I even listened to the record, I always looked through and see who wrote it. And to see... A sol- to see at least, I think, what are there, four solo Cuomos in this record? Yeah, that um, sounds right. Yeah, I was, I was mm-hmm. excited to listen to all four of those because I know when he's not influenced by anyone else, what he's coming up with. And I was just surprised to, to hear him come up with this song like this. It doesn't seem, in my opinion, it doesn't seem like a song he would write. Why? Oh, uh, just the, the melody is so minimal. It's just such a minimal song. Uh, I guess I could see him writing these lyrics because he's had some crummy lyrics in the past. But just the the entire feel of the song doesn't uh, I don't know just doesn't feel like something he would do and it does the the instrumentation and all that just seems a little I think open and light for him. What do you think? Chris? You do like piano songs though, generally, Chris. So I does know. that help at all? No, yeah. not really. <laughs> <laughs> no action. Yeah, I mean, I like the chord progression of this to me is like a unique sound on this record and among Weezer's work. It just moves in a way that most of their music doesn't, particularly in the verses. The the chorus is pretty standard, just pop rock chorus stuff, though I really like it uh, musically. Um, but the verse, the way it moves is very much drawn from the Beatles and Harry Nilsson and, and that kind of thing. Just, again, a piano-driven song and a song that could only really be written on piano because of the way that the chords move. I don't know if like you follow us on social media or not, but when these track lists, the track list got leaked and I totally thought that it was fake because they were so bad. No offense, (laughs) Weezer. And, and to find out that they're like important parts of the lyrics is like hard for me to believe still a little bit. Yeah. So I get what you're saying about it. I still think in context of this song, like being sliced because it's easy and she did it easily and like used him and I think it works, but I can understand why you would think it would be like silly and cheesy and not that great too. So I could kind of see both. Um, But I would, uh, I think just for me, like cosmetically, I like it and sometimes that's all I really care about, you know, yeah, depending. Totally. And let's not uh, ignore the fact that this song starts with Rivers saying the words, let's do hard drugs, which is like... <laughs> oh, like, is he not? Is he saying heart drugs or hard? No, I, hard. hard. I just probably okay. spoke badly. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I, I thought he was maybe saying heart. Like, I don't know. Because high as a kite, to me, it's not about drugs. It's about high on life. Um, so I didn't mm-hmm. know if maybe he was talking about that in here too. 
I don't know. Right. I was like, I got to look that up, but you're probably, Chris, probably we should write a, have that. We should write a song called, uh, these are our heart drugs and just <laughs> write about all our favorite drugs. Your hard drugs. <laughs> it would be a very long song. Oh no, Chris, please. No. The kids, the kids. <laughs> Don't let the fan club hear you. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so are we? Are you guys in the fan club? We are not. No, oh. no we're really we're them. really bad Weezer fans. In fact, when we see Weezer next week, that's Chris's first time seeing them ever, and oh. only my third time. And I haven't seen them in seventeen years. So, <laughs> so yeah, we are not like the best Weezer fans. This was just the band that we have in common, and we thought they'd be fun to talk about. So now we're like getting deep into the community stuff, but we're a little behind on, you know, getting really engrossing engrossing ourselves into the community. Mm-hmm. It's true. No, well, don't worry about it. I was just curious because it like you get a lot of the stuff in advance. Uh, and um sometimes I, I think it's like just you're lucky that way. And I don't know. So I was just curious. I don't know why it came up. How no about problem. I'm just being honest? Yeah. Uh so annoying that this is a title. Um <laughs> Welcome to the Actually, the song's annoying. No offense, Amar and David, but um, what is so younger, Chris? What do you think? I'm just being honest. I don't really like this song either. <laughs> Didn't see yeah, that coming. Yeah, right. Shocker. Yeah, I was gonna say Amar Malik and David Hodges being the the co-writers here. Uh, Amar Malik is just a, an American songwriter and producer who's worked most notably that I found was Maroon Fives, Borns, and Ed Sheeran. Um, and David Hodges being a former Evanescence band member. This doesn't seem, I mean, this doesn't really sound like any of those bands. It doesn't particularly sound like Weezer. It doesn't really sound, I guess it could sound kind of Maroon 5-ish mm-hmm. or, or Ed Sheeran-ish. Definitely doesn't sound like Evanescence. No. Clearly David Hodges is branching out and writing stuff different than, than his former, his old music. But man, I don't know. This yeah, like the lead guitar it. melody kind of reminds me of Coldplay or something. Like, you know, and just the tone of the song is kind of that 80s-derived, modern, you know, pop rock sound that's permeating the airwaves. <laughs> but yeah, no, I wouldn't think it sounds like either anything that they've really, that the songwriters have collaborated on in the past. I, yeah, I, I don't love this song. It actually started as a Scott and Rivers song. It was released, actually. Uh, it, it had a Japanese title, but it's actually called Real Intention, and they kept the intention of that song in place, but Rivers wrote new English lyrics. And what do we think of the lyrics of this song? Well, I mean, I guess he's trying his best and saying, hey, this is who I am, don't hate on it. It's, it's basically the same thing as Can't Knock the Hustle when you think about it. Uh, it just, it seems a little less cool <laughs> when you say it this way. Yeah. Uh, I, think- I will say when I was first listening to it, I was kind of giggling throughout. I didn't. I was kind of curious what was around each corner where is he going with this line? You know, especially the first verse, being a musician, like, you know, hey, have you listened to my recording yet? You know, and what do you think of it? Oh, you hate it. Oh my God. You know, I think I think there's a charm in a 
musician writing about that? Because I haven't heard a song about this topic before. And I know it's something that all musicians deal with, you know, being sent demos and all this stuff and having to, oh God, I got to give a critique on this or I'm just going to ignore it or whatever. But like, you got to figure that's something that songwriters deal with constantly. So it's kind of cool, cool to hear it in a song, if nothing else. It's not a song I love, but that's cool, I guess. It definitely is a story song, like yeah. a friend of Diane's or mm -hmm. something where he likes to kind of, what's that other one? Uh, Weekend Woman. Yeah. Where we're definitely going on a journey with him through an instance of his life. And he's kind of wondering if he should be honest or not. And no one cares and or he's just being himself and i don't know it it is what it is yeah yeah and what happens in the bridge too you know like what's the deal with the bridge of this song jeez that's like a seinfeld bit but a woman writes a woman writes her phone number on a napkin with purple lipstick but it's difficult to decipher <laughs> so my question is why would rivers being irish which is he Irish? Have any no. impact on this scenario? No. He's, his Lies. name's Rivers Cuomo. He's not Irish. Lies. It's, <laughs> and then he mistakes an eight for a zero. Like, I don't, there's, it's just a very strange bridge. It kind of comes out of nowhere. I, I can't quite wrap my brain around it. Can you, anyone, help me? No, mm -mm. no, because you, you start out with this kind of U2 fedge sounding intro. That's the, the, the yeah. biggest thing I pick out from this beginning is very U2. Uh, mm -hmm. And then it goes into this, yeah, very confusing, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to follow the story, to be honest. And just... Yeah. yeah. It's hard for me to care about the story. Oh, yeah. At, at least if it's about, like, I'll go back to any friend of Diane's. It's like, well, at least, like, there's some, like, I feel like there's a reason to follow that story, that it meant something. Whereas in this one, it's just there. Like, there's, why would I... It doesn't sound like he really cares, and so why would I, you know? Right. He's written yep. this story about this guy or girl who we have a hard time relating to, which is funny because, like, uh, in a song like Miss Sweeney, oh, man. I know, that's <clears throat> not, I know that's not Rivers. I know he's not writing, uh, you know, something that he's experienced, but God damn, does he write a good story. That's a story that I care about. It's just the, the, the development of that song is just so light years beyond what this is. Right. It's like the good kind of clever. Yeah. And this song is like, just like modern country rock radio clever. Yeah. You know, like the, it just, there's something about this feels very songwritery and formulaic. You know, mm -hmm. I got to write a song called I'm Just Being Honest. All right, let's see here. What can I be honest about? Oh, I like your haircut. No, I don't. Well, you know, you, it's just very. Yeah. I mean, you can see, you can see, oh, they fell into a lot of tropes in this record. Yeah. They, they want a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And they want a little bit of everything. And whether that's like, the the lyrics of the songs or the the groove that they went with or the melodic feel or everything i mean you have everything from afro-cuban to what i call white guy reggae to kind of <laughs> weezer to kind of jock rock for living in la to indie rock for piece of cake slash pop and now i'm just being honest it's kind of like u2 alternative it, it, there's literally like every song is a different genre which i think is kind of cool in a way but yeah, I don't know. This one, uh, not my kind of song. This song, this is not my kind of song. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah, that was can, a terrible, can, terrible uh, comp. Yeah. Agree to disagree kind of with Weezer on this one. And we're just, we're just being honest. And how many times are we going to hear that? Like in the court, like for the remainder of the year, when anyone's talking about this uh, album and <laughs> specifically this song, it's just going to be like, oh my God, 
I'm just being honest. I hate it. To like quote, it's just to quote track six. <laughs> yeah. It's like so much. Like I'm already tired of myself doing it. And um I can just predict it's gonna be like a thing going forward. Too many thoughts in my head. Exactly. What are you've, your guys? You've heard thoughts? I'm just being honest too many times and you've got too many thoughts in your head. <laughs> this one I totally relate to. I get it. Yes, and I'm sure Chris the Elder does as well because there's a million things going on inside that guy's head all the time. No doubt about it. I actually well, have a song called Chris. I have a song called Loud Brain that is literally <laughs> like this song. I wrote it like eight years ago, you know, but it, it, when I heard this, I was like, yeah, right on, Rivers. I'm with you, man. Um, I love this song, Solo Cuomo. Um, there's a lot that I like about it anyway. Uh, I think it's probably could be considered maybe this and High as a Kite, but this could be the most honest song on the record. Because I really feel like it was probably just a desperate fit of songwriting, you know, just probably going deep in that place where you're just, you know, whether you're editing a podcast or writing a song or working on art or whatever, you just lose yourself in it and then have no perspective and and can't really make sense of your thoughts. And And I think he sums it up pretty well here. And it's also funny and entertaining. Like, it features one of the best pre-choruses ever. I'm so high on cookies, it's insane. I mean, that... I heard that, that is, and I was like, what is happening here? That, that is like, so great. He has a kid. I mean, that's what that is telling me. Right, right. Because Pretty every brilliant. parent has said that about their kid, or like, that is like, you've seen them eat a cookie, run around like an insane person, and thought he is cookie-wasted right now, and... <laughs> It's 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 real. It's a it's a thing. But then he, there's another one right after that that it's that he says. Uh, uh, what's the next line? That's exactly the same. Oh, spot. I'm so high on Chopra. It's insane. Yeah. Is that what so, it is? Really? So then then I was yeah. like, really? Um, yeah. But I also I was like, okay, it's funny. Like I'll just take it for being funny. Yeah, for sure. And I love the music of this. I mean. Wah wah guitar, right, Chris? Gotta love that. Yeah, I, it's so funny to say that to hear that you're into this. I think I thought you were gonna hate this song. No, I dig it. I like the content and I like the quality of it for sure. Wow, right on. What about you? Do you like it? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's catchy. I love wah guitar. Catchy. Anytime you, you bring that, but going back to kind of disco, I to me, this sounds so much like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, and that's wow. why I figured you'd hate it, especially like I, I don't even know what he's saying in that bridge. The Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Don't get me wrong. That that almost this is the thing. This is not like this. We do heart songs in all of our episodes, our top three songs. Yes. This would probably miss the cut because of that part. But I love so much about this song. I'm excited to I, do that part, by the way. Like I can't wait to do oh, all yeah. the fun parts with you guys. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I when I come on. I'm like, oh cool, I get to like do a new thing. Um, yeah, that's gonna like make me use my brain. This but here's song, something I loved. Oh, yeah. So, sorry. I, I feel yeah. like I need to hear it. I'm sorry. I want to hear it. And, Go for it. Because this is another one that I really liked. I made a, a mental note that I liked it, but I want to remember, like, specifically, because it was another one I liked the most. Dance time, dancing disco time. Very interesting. This is the most danceable song on the record. And it's so weird that it's Weezer, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, I truly imagine this is like a super poppy Red Hot Chili Pepper song. Mm. Yeah. But more fun. I love the 
the drumming on this song is great, too. It's kind of another logical evolution of Wilson's style. He's throwing down quarter notes on the snare throughout. Bah, 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 bah. But what's cool is it almost works as like West African uh, yeah, like like, Afrobeat music. Yes. Like, I really want to totally. dance to this song. Like really, like I feel like I could go to a club and play this song and like get it, get down. Like I think yeah. everyone could. Yeah, they nail the they nail the groove. I, I I think it's a cool groove for them, and they actually do it really well. I mean, I love Wilson as a drummer. There's nothing else that our he's show motherfucking good drummer, great he's drummer. Great. He's, he's great. One of the he best. does the right things for whatever the song he's playing. He does the right thing for it. You know, he's getting better. Means, like I I feel like he's yeah. gotten so much better throughout there. Like I just feel I feel like I'm more impressed by him every time. Yeah, like his nuance on high as a kite, the drumming on that song, his hi hat work and mm. stuff. Sorry to go backwards, but like. It's it's worth pointing out. I mean, it is a whole new groove for them, and he is so adept at it that it's almost like, have you been able to do this all along, or did they just not do this because he couldn't, and now he can? Either way, I'm glad they're doing it now and and making use of this skill that he has because he really has a great feel. And that's Chris and I talk about that all the time, just how good his feel is. Oh, yeah. The his... changes in the music, I think, are bringing it out in him, maybe. yeah. Yeah, because we even talked on, like, Beach Boys on the previous record. Like, there's a lot of electronic drums in there. But then it's just like, you hear Wilson just going to town, uh, you know, on parts of that song. Oh, yeah, and that finish, and, too. That outro on Beach Boys. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, he's just, he's the man. I mean, that's kind of become our catchphrase on the yeah, show. Funny it enough, kind of has. It, that's, that's literally become our catchphrase. One of us will say, Wilson! And then the other will say, you done <laughs> it like again! It. <laughs> you done it again! Just because he's, he's because he's always doing it again. He's another <laughs> nice deep cut, by the way. Um, because I'm assuming it's not the Tom Hanks Wilson that we're talking about, right? Oh we're my going God. To well, the story Tom, of this is so stupid. Time. Are we going to tool time? Or are we doing? Survivor we're talking with... about every Wilson ever. Truly, <laughs> we're talking about Brian Wilson. We're talking about Wilson the neighbor. We're talking <laughs> Wilson the volleyball. <laughs> We're talking about the fish song, So many Wilson. thoughts I don't in even our care. heads. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, too many Wilsons in our heads. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, and now that I am I heard it again and, and I'm thinking about it, I don't care that it's Weezer. I love it. I think I would like yeah. it, Weezer or not. And I think I probably wouldn't like it as much if it wasn't Weezer. So There you go. That's excellent. We find ourselves saying that a lot. Where we listen to things that we wouldn't necessarily listen to or enjoy listening to, but because it's Weezer, we're like, all right. Yeah, we can get on board with this. Yeah, we're a little bit biased. We have no a kidding. problem. Sure, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, The Prince Who Wanted Everything. Uh, oh, man. Thoughts, everyone? Well, we have Brian Bell coming to the party, which is awesome, and Luther Russell, who I believe worked on, has worked with Brian Bell in the past in the relationship, right? Yes. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, so I don't know too much about the relationship, to be honest. I haven't listened to them too deeply, so I don't know if this sounds a lot like their stuff or not. But I guess it's a, I guess the song's a pretty decent story. It's okay. Yeah. It kind of, this is a kind of middle of the road song for me. It doesn't blow me away, uh, but I don't hate listening to it. It's another one of those. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, we should mention too that this writing triumvirate wrote LA Girls and Endless Bummer off white as well. So, really good track record of Weezer songs here. Uh, do you think this is one of them, Rachel? I hate the title. And uh -huh. it sounds like the Beach Boys specifically. I very do 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 do. Yeah, I like it though for that reason because it's blatant. And but then I'm thinking, why is it here? 
like I'm down with like the retro and the doo-wop and the kind of 60s beachy, like that's where I'm going with this song again. And I like it. I just don't know if it like goes here. Like maybe they should have put it on Pacific Daydream or something mm. else. Yeah, but it does kind of seem I, like an outlier. Yeah. For on sure. This one. It is, it's I think this album to me. I don't mind it personally where it is because it doesn't feel like too much of an outlier because every song to me has felt kind of different. This is kind of a, a Rivers Cuomo smorgasbord of an album, in my opinion, in terms of like... Yeah, to me, it's tough to say what's an outlier. I think we're about to hear one after this, quite honestly. But mm. besides that obvious one, it, they're all kind of outliers in their own exactly. way. Exactly. Everyone's a different mm-hmm. genre. Uh, so when it comes like feel to feel, I'm kind of just like anticipating anything and I'm up for anything. So that's more open to it. I do like the the Beach Boys vocal feel with the kind of Weezery distorted guitar. I think that's some pretty cool mixing. Yeah, it sounds to me like glam rock, like that fuzzed out guitar. Yeah, right. That sounds like T Rex or something, you know, like which definitely has its feet firmly planted in like '60s. But this is like a '70s glam kind of sound to me, more than anything. Which which I think is cool. I mean, personally, I think this is a really cool song. Yeah, you think this could be um, like almost like a soft ballad on like a Twisted Sister record or, or tw- you uh-huh, know what I'm saying? I can see that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe like, yeah, that's like, we'll call that post-glam. Yeah. This, is, <laughs> this, is, this is maybe like pre-glam. I don't, I don't really know. But yeah, when you add fuzz to a Beach Boys kind of shuffle rhythm, you do kind of end up with that. Yeah. Which is kind of, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really dig this song. I think it's an interesting story. I think it's fascinating that there's a song about Prince now in Otto Weezer record. Okay, so walk cool. me through the story because I don't think I, I caught it listening to the album. I think I was just like right. having fun with it so it feels to be a song about the kind of cynicism of the music industry and what musical success leaves you with once you're dead you know you have all these sycophantic people around you these yes men and what are they getting out of it bonus checks and red corvettes and all this stuff and then he's just really just talking about prince as a performer trying to save the world with funk rock riffs his hair looking very joan baez it's just an interesting portrait an entertaining portrait of one of the great musicians of our generation for sure and man i didn't even yeah, know it was it, about the prince yeah like, prince, and he even prince. says it changes everything yeah he even says uh uh what is he now or where is he now? Uh, his Paisley Bones, which is a reference to Paisley Park, which is Prince's compound in Minnesota, which is now a museum, but it's where he lived and recorded oh. in Minnesota. Well, I, was just, yeah. I was thinking it must be about somebody who like would wear Paisley, so it's got to be about someone who's dead. So it's got to be about right. some kind of throwback, but I didn't put it together. Which And that makes sense because like, didn't Prince wear like purple suit with like a Paisley tie on the front of one of his... I want to say... Yeah, and I'm not sure why his his compound ended up being called paisley park but that's that's what it's always been known as as long as i've known about it yeah so i think it's i think it's cool i think it's cool i write a lot of songs about songwriters it's just something that i'm interested in so i like hearing rivers do that as well just as he wrote a song about the beach boys which i think is a worse song than this actually so and i like that song so i really like this. wow wow blowing my mind here chrissy i'm really surprising chrissy here these last two i can't believe it you like this better than beach boys Dang, yeah. I like that. Well, I like the lyric. I like the lyrics to this better than Beach Boys. Okay, okay, for sure. Okay, interesting. But uh, not the band Beach Boys, the song Beach Boys. Just, just for the listeners. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. To clarify for Obviously. sure. Well, then, who do you like better, Beach Boys or Prince? 
for me, I, I have a better relationship with the Beach Boys than Prince, but I respect the hell out of Prince as a musician. There's things he can do that literally no human could ever do. I was like he say, had, he's Prince the entire was a package. Dude. Like he Oh my God. I don't know. Yeah, and he could literally do it all. A good yeah. guy. Like good person. Maybe a little weird, but who wasn't? Sure. Yeah, it was like sure. he was like MJ with no allegations. Right. <laughs> It's so, so unfortunate, all the stuff that's going on, because I just know, I, I had a feeling like he was next on the block. But, I mean, come on, we all knew. It's just that we exactly. didn't want to yeah. know. So now it's coming out for reals, and we're just going to have to be okay with it. Yeah, um, we'll have to be okay with it and judge our friendships completely differently now. Yeah. Based on who likes him, Michael Jackson. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I mean, you could still like him and like his music right? and just like disagree with that horrible, horrible aspect of his life. Oh, yeah. It's really hard to because then it's like, well, I still like American Beauty and House of Cards. I'm not allowed to watch those anymore. Right. And don't forget Usual Suspects. Uh, yeah, I can never. And The Cosby Show. Exactly. I mean, so, me <laughs> so much. It's yeah. unfortunate. Oh, big time. This is tough. Another We're tangent. living in a Sorry, very guys. difficult time. Ruining Chris. Literally, we record the podcast, and Chris sits under a poster of Manhattan by Woody Allen. So <sighs> you could see. Yeah, where, somebody quoted where, Woody Allen on the on like social media recently. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should like this. I know. I had an internal struggle, and then I just said, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> right. It's like everyone has that person who it tests their loyalty. You know, something comes up, and I think Michael Jackson will be that for a lot of people. You know, but for me, it was Woody Allen. And I said, you know, I can still like his art, though I think he's probably a terrible human. Right. Um, yeah. So that part portion of the show has concluded. <laughs> <laughs> Cry for the, the The random assault tangent right. or something. I don't know. Let's talk about Byzantine. And I think I have to listen to this one, too, because I don't, like, I don't remember it. Yo, you'll know it. You'll know it when you hear it. Is it, is that in a bad way or a good way? I want to hear your opinion. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, now I get why I didn't remember it. I think it's just whatever. What do you guys think? They added a bossa to the lineup. So I that's, like it, though. Yes. Uh, it's just another, just one more genre to pack in there. I really wonder if Rivers' process through this was, I want one of everything. I don't want to repeat myself. Sure. In a, I don't want to repeat myself in a genre once. Because so far, he's nailing it. This song. Mission accomplished. Yeah, no kidding. Uh -huh. So... Being a jazz guy, I do love a great bossa. Uh, but uh -huh. that being said, it's the same reason everybody hates this genre. It's just the same. You said it exactly. It sounds like elevator music. It's kind of like the girl from Ipanema. Everybody knows yeah. that song without knowing that song. Just because it's it's played in the background of every movie, of every everything. And it's just been overdone. And in the pop grand scheme of things, especially this mixing of it, I don't care for it very much at all. I find it super cliche and really pointless, and I don't really know why they wrote in this style. I think the chord progression is interesting. I don't know what the chords are because I haven't tried to analyze it or anything like that. But just when you listen to it, it's not a standard pop progression. 
by any means. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like what they do with the the pitching up and down of the voices and the vocal harmonies. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but all in all, this is not uh, not my cup of tea. Not exactly sure why they did this song. Yeah, it feels. Are you guys are you guys Guster fans? Big time. Never heard of them. Oh, that's interesting. That may be a regional thing because they were a national band, but based out of Boston, they went to uh, Puffs, I believe. And who is Guster? Yeah, Guster. So they were like a college rock band that emerged in the late '90s, kind of in the wake of the Dave Matthews Band and those kinds of things. But they are not a jam band. They're really good songwriters. They actually just released a brand new record, you know, within the past month, and it's awesome. It, and it reminds me a bit of this record. It's great. But I bring this up because they're widely considered best album called Lost and Gone Forever from 1999 has a song on it called All the Way Up to Heaven and it's a bossa nova tune and it's electronic and it really is an outlier on that record but it was a welcome sort of breath of fresh air in what is a pretty emotionally dense and kind of musically dense record and so this song kind of functions in the same way to me. Man, I I completely forgot about that song. That's a really good point, Chris. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I think anyone who knows that record would be like, oh, yeah, this is there all the way up to heaven. Mm. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Byzantine, guys? No. <laughs> there is a lot that I like about this song lyrically that we haven't touched upon, but maybe we can just get more into that in our proper full, you know, two and a half hour breakdown of this record that's sure to come sooner than later. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> but uh, I, there's a lot of specific references. Oh, and this was written... Primarily, the lyrics of this song were written by Laura Jane Grace, right? From Against Me. Is that true, Chrissy? Exactly. Yeah. Laura Jane Grace of Against Me. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty pretty surprising. Doesn't sound like Against Me, that's for sure. Who's Against Me? I'm assuming they're rock, they're alternative rock. Yeah, modern rock, kind of pop punk, relatively punkish. Probably, I would put them less mainstream than like a Blink-182, a little harder than that. In that in that kind of range, I guess. Walks off with a big stick. Now playing guitar is sick. Well, I'm really curious to see what you guys have to say about California Snow. Did you like it at first? Do you like it now? Okay. Tell, so, tell me what you think. So we've technically, if you've been delving into Weezer's uh, singles and all that good stuff, pre-Black Album, we've been sitting at this one the longest, came back, Spotify released it, basically when that album for the movie Spell dropped. And I listened to it right away, so I've known this. And it's it's both good and bad. I think it's kind of a bummer that they added it to the record because I figure at this point, Weezer usually has so much more than just the the 10 songs that they have prepared. They usually have at least 14, 15 that they have like fully mastered or at least you know have most of the tracks ready to go. So I am, I feel a little gypped that this song made the record, whereas we could have had something else new especially because I figured it, it's already out, it's already in the ether, they don't have to put it on the record. So it kind of feels like a shortcut. However... You, I think everybody thought that. Do you think this... So you don't think this is originally going to be on the album? No, not that, not that I know of. I figured they, they had written it for that, that film and that it was just going to kind of exist as a bonus track and they were going to put something else on black. 
That being said, I am not disappointed that this song is on the record. This is by far the poppiest, most synthy uh, electronic song on the record, but I have to say that I love it. <laughs> I, I like this song a lot. Me too. Yeah, like, which is kind of surprising. From River's first descriptions of what Black would be when he was doing all the promo for White Album and he started talking about this darker, synthier thing, this is what he was describing, was a oh, song yeah. like this. Yep. And this is really one of the only on this record that delivers that premise. <laughs> yeah. You know, that actually comes through. And I think, I think there's something to that. I think there's, there's merit to that. And there's a quality to this song that's unique to the record. And something that comes out to me with this song, especially juxtaposed with a song like Byzantine, is this song's kind of like menacing. Like oh, this song yeah. is dark. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it may be synthesized and electronic drum driven and all that stuff, but like, man, it is minor and dark, and some of the lyrics are pretty heavy. And there's a desperation to the vocal performance, particularly in that Judas verse, like the third verse. Absolutely. That's really intense. And just it's a mess of synthesizers. Like when it starts, it sounds like I don't know if you guys know this band, but Animal Collective, Meriwether Post Pavilion is like their breakthrough record. It came out in 2009. And this sound is very much of that, you know, of that ilk to my ear. And that's a, that's a sound I love. So it's really cool to um, hear Weezer kind of going down that path. I think this probably owes more to like future in modern um, kind of indie rap than it does, you know, something like Animal Collective from 10 years ago. But either way, it's a really cool sound. It, may, it sounds distinctly not like Weezer, but it's Big a cool time. sound. Right, yeah. Well, just imagine if they played all those riffs through distorted guitar. Played it, right. the, it could, played it on the strat. It could be a, this would be this would be a heavy rock song, you know, Pinkerton era so style. So fun live, right? Like, yeah. I would be beyond excited if they played this at the show. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that's why they added it. Like, if they thought, this is like a rocker and it needs to be there. And if we're going to put it anywhere, why not put it at the end? So it kind of just like stops, you know? Right. Like, Do we or, like it as an album closer? Do you think it works there? I think so. Yeah, it's kind of different. I think it, most of the stuff we've been talking about has had relatively mellow endings, at least stuff we've talked about more recently. So I'm I'm excited to see something a little more upbeat, a little more driven, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think in a loop, um, you could listen to this and then come right back to Can't Knock the Hustle, and it wouldn't be weird. That's true. I think that it kind of brings us back to the dark part of High as a Kite, it's a similar sound, the dun, 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 you know, whereas <laughs> in High as a Kite, it's like, dun, 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 dun. It's kind of like, they kind of remind me of each other. And we did a show on California Snow, and I really liked it. I've always liked it. I don't mind it on the album. I wanted, I think, okay, well, we can go there next. Other thoughts on California Snow? No, it's worth noting that in some of the press materials that I've read for this record, there was a 10th song. And in fact, it was going to be the first single from the record called Cardigan Disaster. Do you know about mm -hmm. this song? And it was performed like solo by Rivers, you know, on some of those solo shows. I think I watched a video on YouTube a couple months ago. And that was going to be released as a single last May. And then Africa happened. And so all of a sudden those plans got scrapped. And now that song's not even on the record. And California Snow is... And that's a song that, when it was released, you did not get the sense, this is an advanced song off Black Album. No, 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 it's just a soundtrack song, like Chris said. So it's kind of interesting how that evolved, and I wonder in what role we'll end up hearing Cardigan Disaster. 
mm-hmm. which I don't remember all that much about, but it is always interesting. These There's one of these on like every record, right? Or a handful where you just go, what, what's going to become of that song? Like, is that song going to see the light of day? I mean, there's a million from Everything Will Be All Right in the end. There's just like all these songs that float around from that period that no one's really heard, you know? And this is just another one of those, which is cool. It's part of the reason we like this band is like the mythology, the kind of like sacred cows, the kind and and the kind of hidden gems that they have in their repertoire even stuff that's been released but especially the stuff that hasn't that people mm-hmm. really long to hear totally um that's funny that's yeah. another song about a sweater actually when you think about a cardigan disaster <laughs> he writes a lot about sweaters what can i say he's probably got a lot of them yeah even living I mean, in california the told the california they write snow. a lot about blazers so what are you gonna do there you go i'm kidding <laughs> it's they only don't. natural it's only natural well i mean any other thoughts then i wanted to find out like as a whole, you know, thoughts on the album in general. Like, do you like it? Is it whatever? Are you more looking forward to what's next? What do you guys think? Well, well to me, we've only had, you know, at time at time of recording, we've had three full days to listen to this. We knew half of the songs beforehand. I tried to avoid all the songs that were leaking out in advance. I noticed that some were happening. People, how are people hearing these songs? I said, let me wait. I'm going to be a good fan. And I yeah. bought the record. You know, I have Spotify. I bought the record. Of course, we need the audio for our podcast, so that's part of the reason. But I, I want to support. And so with three days of perspective, it's a little tough to say. But this is definitely bottom tier Weezer for me. There's only one song I love. There's only one song that I think is at the core of why I love this band. And there's some experiments that I admire. And then there's a couple songs I actively dislike. So that does not make a great record as far as I'm concerned. But one thing that I will say again to reiterate is I like that it's playful. I like that it's pushing boundaries of what this band can do. I think the performances are really good. And I think Sitek, given almost like what he was tasked with with this record, I think he did a really admirable job. Um, It's lacking a lot of what makes us love Weezer, but it's also finding some new ground that maybe they can build on in the future, which I think is cool. And lastly, I haven't talked enough about the lyrics of this record. I love this era of river songwriting. I think it started around maybe a little bit with everything will be all right in the end. Definitely white album and beyond. He's been in this reference rich, very wordy, very specific uh, place lyrically, which like I said, I've been breaking down Maladroit, you know, as I've been driving around California here, like that is one of the worst lyrical records they've ever made. Like it is straight up. Like there is no substance to those songs whatsoever. Now you could say these songs are silly and, you know, and a little too nonsensical, but at least they use like good words, you know? And I just think that there's a lot to like about Mostly. (laughs) Certainly. But like, I'll take something that's just like, wow, where did that come from? Then something like, yeah, I get it. You're lonely. You know what I mean? Like at this point, they've done that to death and he knows it. And if we're being honest as fans, like we know it too. So there's only so many other places you can go lyrically. And I'm kind of glad he ended up here. I, I dig it. Yeah, we're in the spreadsheet era. You know, what exactly. songs have, you know, what words have this many syllables and how can I piece them together? And, you know, it's kind of bizarre when you think of it. It's not traditional songwriting by any means, but I'm totally into this algorithmic kind of let's make things fit and come up with cool words and and make really, really cool songs. And so you're right, because it's funny because we, for people who don't know of our show, we're doing every album in reverse order. So we started with the newest records and now we're working backwards towards blue. And so we keep moving backwards and further and further. It's like, man, these lyrics are way less good than when we first started the podcast. What's going on? Yeah. And it's, it's, a it's very, so funny. It's a very obvious trend. 
so I agree with you. I need more time to read the lyrics because I have to say uh, I wasn't able to contribute much to the conversation because I didn't know the lyrics uh, nearly as well as you guys did. So I need to to delve in there uh, and and listen and analyze and all that good stuff. But uh, I'm definitely definitely intrigued to listen more. Uh, again, in terms of song quality for me, just like Chris said, uh, it's a very cool experiment, but there are so few peaks in this. So a lot of Weezer records for, for I think, any fan at this point, there's peaks and valleys, um, except for, for, I guess, White Album, which is just one giant peak. A big white snow-capped peak. Yeah, it is very snow-capped. It's so perfect and, and high up there. But yeah, this record definitely, it's so middle to low. There are very few times where I'm like, yes, this is a band I love, making music that I really like and really enjoy. Um, But that being said, I mean, Pacific Daydream took me at least a dozen listens to, like, all the way through before I even remotely started liking the music. So I think this this could easily turn around for me. You know, I'm I'm very easily swaying when I listen to music, and it all depends on on where I'm at in my life and and the emotional uh, baggage that I'm carrying around at the time and whatnot. Um, So I'm... Tell us about that. Tell us more about that baggage. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't need to hear any about that. No, I, I'm excited to continue listening to it. I don't hate it enough yet, but it is still... De- <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I like it. It's definitely, I think, um, not... It's not a white. It's not even a Pacific Daydream. I would say... I really like maybe 50% of it so far. Maybe. Rachel, are you a fan um, of Pacific Daydream? I am. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Nice. I it's not not all of the songs are my favorite, but I I would still probably say that I'm somewhere in between a purist and a ride or die where I think that the only true uh 100% good ones have been Blue Pinkerton and White. Um, where like the like all of the songs are tens, but I think that there are solid ones. Like everything will be all right is solid. I think that Pacific Daydream is solid, and I would take all the rest and take all my favorite songs off of them and make one like giant conglomerate of red and green and maladroit and hurley and <laughs> make believe. Um, but I think that they're peppered with great songs in there as well, and but they're not they're not ten out of ten like like I think that White and and Blue and and Pinkerton are, and that's what I look for really in a great album is to like enjoy every single song. And that's not all. easy to do by any band to have no. to go ten for ten. Yeah, no, it's not. That's why I was so impressed when they pulled White out of their butts after the only all band of that. I can think of that has a perfect album is the Blue Jean Committee. When they went eight for eight. Oh yeah, definitely. No, they nailed it. Who's the Blue Jean Committee? We're we're just joking. It's a Do I need to join it? <laughs> it's Fred <laughs> Fred Armisen and Bill Hader's fake band in the TV show documentary. Now it's basically making oh. fun of the Eagles. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I love those dudes. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out for yourself or any of your listeners. Uh, check out documentary now, season one. And it's the, is it on Netflix? The it's the two-part finale. It is on Netflix, last I checked, yeah. Oh, it's great. Okay. Highly it's, recommend. All right. I'm, a, I'm going down there right now. It's just a fake documentary <laughs> about a hilariously fake band. I love yeah, that. Kind well, of I like Portlandia. I like oh, good, um, yeah. Bill Hader was hilarious on SNL, so I'm sure oh, I like it. Yeah, you'll eat it up. It's great. Yeah, it's really fun. 
But yeah, to your okay. point in terms of a, a 10 for 10, I think it's hard to it's hard to make that happen by any band, for sure. Yeah. Um but black I think boom. that this one has some good uh it's got some good pillars. And you know what? I'm a little at this time and I don't like to talk badly about Weezer, but I'm disappointed. I really wanted like some with the black album, I wanted some hard effing rock and I wanted to rock it hard and and get deep down and low with the bass and have some gritty super meaningful deep lyrics. And I didn't want to go to the disco town. I wanted to go somewhere else, and we didn't go there at all. And yeah, I wanted Rivers, uh, Rivers just said fuck disco town. I wanted to go to a uh, Future Scope trilogy. Like I wanted that. That's what you, you want know. In black. Okay. Wow. Um, well, that may be around the corner with Van Weezer, the <laughs> one of the two new projects that Rivers has been talking about. Guitar I heavy. I don't want Van Weezer. I want Weezer. And I want <laughs> Weezer to do a dark black album. And this is not it. This is like a Galaxy album. Like This is like another yeah. daydream. This is like another poppy fun time. Like, let's go party. I wanted something dark. I don't know. Do they not have that in them? I know they do. I heard Pinkerton. Yeah, Come I on. agree. I agree with you. I um, I knew I knew what to expect just based on everything Rivers had been talking about. I knew it was going to be a heavily electronic voice thing, but I do agree that I don't think the songs are dark enough. Maybe maybe in their content, but in their in their voicing. But they're not even like I don't know. I don't know. It's just not. It's it not what feel I dark wanted. Enough to me, I don't know if Chris feels different. Or what, what, what you were you anticipating and if it lived up to any sort of expectation you had for it. Well, given the advanced songs, I actually think it could have gone worse because of the advanced songs, until High as a Kite came out, I didn't really like any of them. California mm-hmm. Snow has grown on me because I like it in the context of the record now, but I only ever viewed it as an outlier kind of peculiarity like in, their, in the grand scheme of their career. So I never really took it that seriously. But I did actually kind of dig the sound when we first listened to it uh, in September. But uh, yeah, I think it could have gone a lot worse. I'm glad there's more like fly, more like high as a kite on here than can't knock the hustle because I'm more drawn to that sound. And I do think the back half of the record owes more to like that Pacific Daydream era '60s evocation than it does like the modern Hey What's on the Radio evocation of the first two tracks on the record. So to me, it could have gone worse. You know, I didn't expect to love this record, and predictably, I do not. Yeah. Well, I'll, what color I, would you have picked for it? <laughs> oh, what color would I? Uh, rainbow, because it's every <laughs> it's every color. They just do. We talked about it. Every song's a genre exercise. So you really want. And maybe it's because I'm so close. I, you know, I was in the Castro district of San Francisco yesterday, but I just I have rainbows dancing through my head. But for real, like that would have been appropriate. This I is agree. not a dark record. This is a colorful record. It's so colorful. I would have. I I think like a pastel, like either like a an electric pink, or a a you know a neon pink, or even yeah, like a teal bright. would be good. Oh wait, no, no, no. Even <laughs> no. even like a a dark purple would have been suitable. Dark purple's cool. Yeah. Um, but black, I just, I honestly think they missed the mark with like, with going black and calling it dark. I agree. They had one chance. They had one chance. Now they're going to have to come out with a charcoal. I know. Or like a dark gray, granite. Midnight silver. (laughs) Yeah. Onyx. Graphite. Dark stone. Yeah. Onyx. I like it. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious to see what the next color they choose is. And, uh, and it's interesting because Chris and I kind of have a different feel on this, whereas the, the named colored records tend to have this higher gravity with them, right? Everyone's like, oh, this is, this is a self-titled album. It's going to be a big deal. It's kind of held with higher, I don't know, honor than, than the other ones. So it's like blue, green, red, white, black. One of these things is not like the other one, right? And I think it would be this one. But I guess at the same time, if you look at... I would say green. Cause... And green. Yeah. Those are the two. Those are the two where you're like, meh, not so. Yeah. Not so much. But I definitely don't think that this is... To me, this is just another experimental album. So to give it the self-titled treatment, however you want to look at it, I guess. I, I definitely was expecting a little bit more. But like said, Chris said, it could have been way worse. So all in all, I'm pretty not disappointed, not super intrigued. So. Yeah. It's another album that Weezer has created, and I'm, I'm thankful it exists, but I'm curious to see if it'll get a ton of replays in the ether of Weezer stuff. Well, yeah, people seem to not like it out there. It's getting bad reviews. Um, it's fine. I think it's fun. But it's Weezer gets a black. bad rap, so we're used to it. Yeah. And like, you know, whatever. It's just fun. I think it's fun. Any final final thoughts? Uh Who's cook? Who's cook? Lock lock. Cool. I saw that in your notes. Uh, Additional production on "Can't Knock the Hustle." Cool, cool, cock. Cool, coco, cock. I don't. don't Chris, that's filthy. Please. There's a woman presence. You know. I have no idea. Go easy. Yeah, and money. Mark is on here too. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Uh, Any final thoughts? Uh, One thing I will say is thank you so much for having us on because. The first episode of your show I listened to was your breakdown of Pacific Daydream when it first came out because we were researching it. And I said, oh, let me see what they have to say. So it's cool that we are, we didn't have a podcast when I started listening to this. And now here we are, the new record's out, and we're talking to you about it. So I appreciate that. I think that's, that's very exciting. A, a nice bit of symmetry there. And uh, yeah, it was, it was very cool. And thanks for leading the way for all the Weezer podcasters out there, which, God, <laughs> there's a surprising amount of them, is there not? Yeah. It's a little ridiculous, but I think it's great. Um, I think that you guys are pleasantly surprised me with your content. And so I'm really excited to, to come on your show too. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, we're excited to have you. We're very excited to have you and get uh, merge the fan bases. Let's get yes, one fun. Weezer world united. As unite, unity. Well, I did have another question. So what do you guys think of the... Music videos so far and the merch bundles and all the fake. So there's, I don't know if you saw it, but there's this thing called the Black Cub and they're selling all this fake Weezer Black Album merch. Really? So, yes. News to I'm me. Gonna f- I'm going to have to get on um, there and get some free, free f- or uh, pay for some fake stuff. Uh, <laughs> you can buy, let's see here. I have photos of everything. I want the suit um, that Rivers was wearing covered in black paint. For the, the yeah, that's the actual cool. suit. Yeah. So we've got one of the dudes from Spell. He's like pretending to be Kiss. Let's see if I can show you. Do you see it, Chris? Yeah. What is this? And there's a a long sleeve T-shirt that you can buy. And then there's all this other fake merch. There's a Rivers Eight Ball. It's fake. Some of it's fake. Some of it's real. So you can really buy a black belt. You can really buy, you can really buy a coffee and a mug. 
There's Weezer a coffee? t-shirt, a long sleeve t-shirt, and a jean jacket, and a disposable camera that you can really buy that comes with a picture that Carl took. Huh. Uh, let's see. This is not nearly as good as the Teal album Velcro wallet. That there's, I legitimately wanted. So the fake stuff, there's a black mirror. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I wanted that wallet. Funny. I wanted that wallet bad. I wanted the wallet, too, and I didn't get it. I only got a Rubik's Cube. I was very disappointed. That's awesome that you got the Rubik's Cube, though. Yeah. And, well, I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> and so there's all this, like, fake stuff. There's a haunted raven, Billy Ellish bottled tears, a black Webster... A survival kit backpack for the zombies, uh, black crayons, black sand, a five-star review, Mary Poppins, um, Dungeons and Dragons black dye. Just everything awesome but black. Yeah. A black hole, a black Weezer stock, and then it says, but wait, there's more, and then it's not really, there's not really any more. I was going to say, the only stuff I know about is the, the Teal album, Velcro Wallet, and mm. album release that was like that's good stuff i i really really wanted that which sold that really with quick. the signed this, dollar bill so cool so cool <laughs> that uh, is cool yeah but in regards no, to I, music videos boy they these are some pretty funny music videos the high as a kai music video is amazing oh uh, that's one of the best videos they've ever made like ever. i won't even see, say since anything just ever and they've done that's some so great good. music videos yeah I wanted Rachel's- Rivers to toss his shoe to his other hand, and he didn't do it. Ah. If you notice, ah. Tita actually pointed this out. He got every detail perfectly when he goes to do the cardigan, just like Mr. Rogers did. He zips it all the way up and then back half down. <laughs> nice, nice. Like every, every detail. Yeah, he really studied the tape for that performance. That was really good. No kidding, yeah. though. Like, actually. We talked about the guy knows sweaters. The guy knows sweaters. I mean, that's just it's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure his styling is is heavily heavily influenced by Mr. Rogers. (laughs) Could be. My favorite part is when they do like so. It's just him and he's doing a spiel, and then they pan out and all the other dudes are there and they're wearing outfits. Yeah, I lost my shit. I was like, oh my god, Scott in a police officer outfit and brian with his mailman hat i just i couldn't those glasses yeah it's yeah it's very hilarious it's perfect and pat is the cook it's just everybody fits perfectly i mean scotch or uh shriner wearing that that policeman outfit i mean am i right yeah watch out watch out i am not against it i am for it (laughs) he can wear that all the time if he wants i would say that sexy gold-toothed man Maybe he took it home and him and Jillian had some fun. I don't know. <laughs> little role play, yeah. <laughs> Leave that Trying to bright. Uh, and then when Brian does his little swimming through the clouds part. Yeah. And then when there's like turn scary and, and Rivers' uh, glasses like get yeah. like devilly. He gets the evil eyebrows. My yeah. favorite is the when it, it, it gets dark and then all of a sudden it does one pan to this just close up of this kid who just has one tear fall down their face. Yeah. And I'm just like, this moment is so per I actually laughed out loud in that moment. It was perfect. Right. And she's like, mommy. So good. <laughs> Great acting. Like the Native American looking at the litter. You know what I mean? It really, it was quite powerful. Um, well, did you guys know that I was there? I'm in that video 
I did, did see know? that. I want to hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say that the kids um, were all adorable and lovely. And that had the girl was crying because mom wasn't there for a second. Mm. And we didn't even know they were filming that part. So <sighs> to see that in there was funny. Just worked perfectly. That's so great. Yeah. They oh, it's such a highlight. It yeah. But I didn't get to see the dudes, but we did do a lot of, you know, acting, quote unquote, and it was really fun. And I got to hear it while we were there, more importantly. Oh, that's cool. And that's how I, like, I knew that we were going to like it, but I, we didn't get to hear the whole thing. But um, I was like, oh, this is, like, this is a good one. So I was kind of hoping for more of that on on the album. <laughs> um so it was interesting the way it went, but I really like that video. And I'm so proud that I got to be a part of like such a cool video. Like that's going to oh, like definitely. go down. That's in really the books. exciting for you. Yeah, I'm happy. That's so cool. Yeah. So great for you really to have cool. a nice in with the band and get to interact with them. Yeah. That's, that's really fan club. That's a special like, thing. That's really awesome. That's it, Chris. Um, we're moving to LA. We're joining the fan club. We're changing our lives. All right. <laughs> just join the fan club. You probably have like people very, very close to you that you just don't know. Um, Can't wait when I'm living in LA. That's entirely true. Yeah. One thing we've been experiencing since doing the podcast, and this is how I actually saw that video, was I get text messages every day about something Weezer related from friends <laughs> who really don't care about Weezer, but they see Weezer and they're 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 sharing stuff with me, and I love that, you know. And mm -hmm. even even strangers, and that's what's even cool, you know. Of course, strangers reaching out like, oh wow, yeah, you have thoughts on this and want to share them with us. Uh, that's awesome. But yeah, it's like random old friends sending me Facebook messages saying like, hey, have you seen the you know the latest whatever? And I'm just like, Jesus, no, they're thank like, you. Oh, and did also, did you know that Weezer came out with a new album? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Friday, I was blown up. I'll tell you. I was like, yeah, I, I know. I have a Weezer podcast. I'm the Weezer guy. <laughs> I, I am the Weezer guy now. <laughs> no, actually, the Fallon thing, uh, all the Fallon stuff got a lot of play in my non-Weezer friend. Non-Weezer friend? Is that a friend who's a fan? I don't know. But my non-Weezer fan friends were all happy to share that with me because they enjoyed it even not being Weezer fans. You know, the barbershop thing. The barbershop and the, uh, stuff. And yeah. the take on me as well. Yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought that was great. I have to say, their promo game from Crush Music and the band themselves, they are on point. Like, these guys know how to hype something, whether it's the merchandise, the videos, the appearances. They're kind of willing to do anything. And I think that's cool because this is a band that, like, we liked as 10-year-old, or I liked as a 10-year-old as a because they were fun and they seemed like just cool and nerdy and relatable. And then they kind of got to be like weird and quirky and not the coolest way. So, oh, to maybe have them that's back why this um, video brings us back. It takes yeah. us back to like Buddy Holly, you know, it totally. Where does. It's like they're yeah. just kind of like having fun. Yes, and it's cool to see them having fun because I do think they're good spirited guys, you know, like as humans. But just the pe peculiarities of Rivers as a creative person and all this stuff has kind of eclipsed that in really the past decade and a half. So it's good that they're getting back in touch with that, whether it's their doing or, frankly, just kind of this this windfall after Africa, you know, where it's like now they're this novel band again that like 10 year olds like again, you know, <laughs> like new 10 year olds, people who are actually 10 now mm -hmm. are liking again. So I think they're really seizing the moment and hopefully it's cool. I know Chris has an experience. Actually, he has one of his climbing uh, team members. He's like a teenager and he likes Weezer a lot. Right. But he like hates Pinkerton. Like, yeah, like it's kind of an interesting thing. Like the stuff he got into has nothing to do with the stuff we got into 
as fans, you know? So maybe he'll love the Black Album. I don't know. What do you yeah. think, Chris? Do you think that kid would love the Black Album? Oh, that kid, Liam? <laughs> I doubt it, honestly. Yeah. Because he hated Pacific Daydream, too. He just, he really loved Blue, and, like, Blue, you know, drew him in, and then after, he's like, yeah, Pinkerton's okay. It's just, like, really rough. I'm like, right, exactly. Uh-huh. Keep listening. And he's like, okay, okay. Right. Uh, yeah, you'll understand in, like, five years after your first heartbreak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Hang in there, okay. kid. Yeah. Yeah. Around You'll 17, be... that's when you got to get into Pinkerton. Yep. Definitely. Maybe maybe sooner if you're a girl. When it came out, I don't know. Like, uh, uh, I wasn't ready for it when I was 12 years old. You know what I mean? But by the time I was 16, I was like, it was my album, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was excited for that to come out. I was just like, I don't know what this is, you know? So it, it does it does happen. But there is, like, so many generations of Weezer fan now. And that's that's kind of cool. And when we go to the concert, I think we'll have a really good sense of that. There'll be guys I can't like wait. I cannot wait to people watch and see how many different types of people there are in that crowd. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to be we're bringing our portable recorder. We're going to record our thoughts on our way to and from the show just to kind of get a, a an episode about the live experience, which again is new for us. I haven't seen them in a long time, so it'll be really uh, it'll be interesting for sure. We'll talk about all that stuff. Sorry, we're rambling. No, I can't wait to see or hear about how they do the stage setup, you know, what they're going to do differently. Did you guys get like what ticket? Are you in the pit? Are you going to do Carl's Corner? We are. We, uh, Chris, what did you end up with? What did you? Yeah, get? we are in the orchestra section. We are, I believe, six or seven rows from the stage, stage right. So we are very, very close. Nice. Super psyched. nice. Yeah, we're real close right on the right uh, on the edge, too. So it's like we have the aisle. So we'll be able to look across the aisle with no interference with people. I can stretch out my legs. I'm excited. Yeah, stretch out your tall leggies. Chris is huge. Chris is six foot seven. <laughs> that's Ooh. not true. No, I'm joking. That is I'm totally so not joking. true. I was like, but, uh, wow, that's really tall. Yeah, and I've been sitting in a car for this past uh, <laughs> two hours recording this. And boy, I got to stretch. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, okay, so and no merch, no you didn't guys you didn't get a shirt or a oh a, you know a Chris, vinyl? No, no so vinyl. Nothing, nothing for black album, but we did I ordered some weekend woman shirts which were on clearance. <laughs> <laughs> and it literally just says it's actually a great shirt. It fits great. It's hold on a it second. Is. I didn't I don't remember any weekend woman shirts. Yeah, it's yeah. uh it just it's a navy not navy, it's like a grayish blue. Uh, shirt Heather, a blue Heather. And it just says fell in love on a Sunday by Monday morning I'm drifting away okay yeah. and we it's just a nice shirt so we have matching both, shirts now yeah we have so many matching shirts that's what Chris and I do for each other now we just buy each other random shirts that's random right. Weezer shirts or just shirts in general in general okay so <laughs> do they have to be funny uh, <laughs> more or less okay. I've bought yeah. him I've bought Chris some very bizarre t-shirts I bought him a we're both bat- big basketball fans, so I bought him a, a shirt with Kevin Durant on it who plays for the Golden State Warriors, but it's it's like a cartoon. It's not a photograph. It's like this very odd illustration where he just looks really weird. It was some uh, like total ripoff that I bought in Thailand when I was there, and I just thought that was funny, so I bought him that. And then Chris bought me a Are You Talking R.E.M. Re-Me, which is one of our favorite podcasts. Uh, he mm-hmm. bought me a shirt from there. Adam, Adam Scott on a jet ski. Very nice. So good. Very nice shirt. Absolutely hilarious. That's funny. <laughs> From Piranha uh, 3D. Yeah. Do you guys have merch for your podcast? Funny you should mention. I actually just designed our first t-shirt. Uh, we have not oh, clicked the order button yet because I don't know how many people would actually want to pay for a t-shirt with uh, with our logo on it. 
But as soon as we have the funds and, and want to do that, we're definitely going to make a, a merch order. Soon enough. Okay. And then next up is uh, something with Wilson. You done it again on it. We just got to come up <laughs> with like a Wilson. You done it again has to be on our on our merch. No doubt about got it. I like be. it. Well, I don't. I I ordered something, but it hasn't come yet, and I forget what was in it. But I'm pretty sure that the highlight for me was the tape. There's a black cassette tape that you could get, oh, cool. and there was some stickers that I really wanted, and something else that was cool. But there was just like some random bullshit too. There was like a sleeping mask and I'm like, what am I going to do with that? But uh, whatever, I'll save it. <laughs> oh, I know. the black. There was a black light poster. I was like, oh. I got to have that. That's going on the wall. A black Stat. album black light poster? A Weezer black light poster. That's awesome. Like black album black light. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it looked cool. I was like, I got to have that. I'm That's sorry. Great. Sorry, hen. <laughs> We're spending the dough. Well, I think it's time to wrap it up, but we will see you soon. We'll see you in a couple episodes, and we're going to be talking about Hold Me, and we are looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Oh, you have not heard the last of us. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so menacing. Even more. Yes. <laughs> so we'll be right back. everyone thank you so much for listening thanks to wheeze talking wheeze to the i don't know i have a hard time with the second you know part. it's good branding when the other host can't say the name of the podcast <laughs> yeah Jesus. It's great. it all kind of rolls into like all of them they all yeah. start with weezer or we so it's just it's a thing yeah coming up on episode 43 simple pages with chris garcia from the three minute modernist podcast um that was a really great discussion that we had so that'll be fun for everyone to hear where can the peeps find you guys on social media absolutely you can find us on apple music spotify stitcher or anywhere you get your podcast it's wheeze w-e apostrophe z talking wheeze to the and you can find us on instagram at wheeze talking wheeze or twitter at wheeze talking wheeze so wheeze talking wheeze wheeze talking um yeah and there's no apostrophes in those yeah, that's no. just... I don't think they it's allow just the it. at. We'll put links in the show in case you... That would be helpful. ...want to know. I highly recommend listening, checking out the podcast. And yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks, this Rachel. This really fun. And I think we like we got some good stuff in there uh, only three days afterwards. So it should only get better uh, from here on out. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if um, anything grows on anyone. 
in a exactly. couple weeks. Yeah, listen to this, and then by the time you're done, we'll probably have our episode done, which will be like two weeks later. So it'll be the same people talking about the same music with different opinions. <laughs> it's going to be great. Thank you so much, Brian, for the sound. And thank you for listening to us. You can find us on weareweezerforever at gmail.com or we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are Weezer. And I think that's it. Adios. Bye. Hasta luego. Hasta luego. That's, that's my Carl, as Carl used to say. All right. <laughs> bye. We are Weezer, we are Weezer, we are Weezer, and I love you.